talking about it. This is Hamilton Today with Scott Thompson on 900 CHML. Hey, it's Hamilton Today. I'm Curtis Thompson, Scott's son. Ted and Diana are in the newsroom. Will is on the board. Those 50 and over can now register for a COVID-19 booster vaccine. That's Yay. generating more chatter than the loss of the all-you-can-eat buffet. Here's Scott Boston. Cheeky right there, cheeky. Good afternoon, it is 410, it is 900 CHML. I'm Scott Thompson, Will Erskine on the board, Ted and Diana in the newsroom will be joining us around the big round table coming up after the 430 news. You don't want to miss that. Uh, feel free to jump into the conversation. Send us a note, Scott Thompson at 900CHML.com. And the phone lines are always open at 905-645-3221, star 9900 on your cell. Before we continue on with the show, I wanted to bring in Thomas Tenkate, professor at the School of Occupational and Public Health Ryerson uh, University, and talk about... Uh, Dr. Kieran Moore's news conference that we just finished up uh, last hour and what his take on all of this was. Thomas, thanks for the time. I hope you're well. Yeah, uh, great to be with you, Scott. Thanks very much. So obviously, uh, Dr. Kieran Moore, another news conference today. Uh, this is the first one we've carried in its entirety for, for a while. Uh, what are the, what's the significance now? What did you take out of that message? Yeah, I, I think, you know, what I took out of it was that it, that we're really in a you know pretty fast changing situation that's that's moving pretty quickly. Uh, you know, the message was that uh, you know, Omicron uh, variant is really uh, really progressing and um, you know moving quickly and spreading spreading widely and 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 uh, and so so it's really sort of saying you know people need to uh, take it seriously and uh, start to think about uh, you know you know, over for say Christmas and other, other get togethers, you know, whether or not they should be doing that. And, uh, and yeah, so, so I think it's, it's just really the the warning signs to say, yeah, you know, we, if it's, you know, they're saying it's doubling every three days or so, you know, that's uh that's a, that means, you know, within a, within a few weeks, we, we could have, uh, you know, be seeing the same peak as we saw uh, the, the previous times. On that note, uh, uh, Dr. Moore said there was a, a 6.6 test positivity rate. We all know that's high, but explain what that means again. Uh, yeah, so so I suppose positivity rate is is really um, you know what what's um, oh gee how would I want to say this? It's it's really uh, you know how how uh, how positive the uh, you the when when they're doing the testing you know how. How uh, much the uh, that they're able to identify the Omicron versus versus the the other one. So so it's it's really it's really an indicator of of, of how quickly it's able to spread, uh, and uh, and and that that spread is really uh, related to the the characteristics of, of the vi- of the variant itself. Thomas, Dr. Moore alluded at the end of the news conference that there might be further advice uh, towards the end of the week. Are you anticipating another announcement coming towards the end of this week? Well, yeah, I, I think, you know, they're, they're, they're really trying to get in front of this, uh, you know, situation and, uh, you know, the modeling and, and the numbers are really starting to stack up. And, and I think, you know, what my sense is that they're, they're you know, going to be uh, bringing in, uh, you know, for, you know, my sense is some, some potentially restrictions in regard to to gatherings, uh, and I think that's what you know. I think people need to be uh, prepared for some uh, you know some of these restrictions to come back that that uh, had been eased for for some time now. 
Uh, obviously, for the last week or two, we've heard out of South Africa, as you've just suggested, that this may be a bit milder. However, even the World Health Organization said, you know, not to take this lightly uh, because of its ability to spread. Some are wondering if it's not that dangerous. Why does it matter how quickly it spreads? Yeah. So, so I th- well, I think um, you know the 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 reason is that uh, the more cases you have, you know, proportionally, you're going to then have uh, still have. Uh, you know, a higher number, higher number of people than what we have now, actually going, yeah. going, going to hospital. So it's so it's really a statistical thing, and and the impact on the health system. But uh, like viruses, as they uh, progress and, and and mutate, and uh, you know what what we tend to see is that they they spread more easily, but become. Uh, less virulent, what means that they 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 don't make people as sick, and so so that's what what we're really seeing now is, and you know, and at the end of the previous pandemics, that's what happened with those viruses. You know, they they spread a lot more quickly, uh, but they they weren't weren't as uh, weren't as deadly and didn't make people as sick, and so so you know that's that's not unexpected for the way this is this is shaping up as well, but uh, it still means that you know high number of cases will translate to. Uh, more and more people in hospital, even though proportionally it's not going to be the same as it, mm. it was for the, the previous variants. So obviously more people testing positive. We're not sure if that's going to end up with more people in the hospital. And again, that's always been the concern is about uh, the capacity of the hospital system and having to cancel elective surgeries and such. So uh, at this point, they're saying that the ICU is pretty stable. Any idea when you think we'll get more on this? Will it still be another week or two? Yeah, yeah, I, th- I, I think so. I think, you know, you know, because it's because you know it's it's still relatively soon since we you know it was first uh, identified in South Africa and and uh, you know what you know we we can only sort of learn from what what as as things go on but uh, yeah definitely you know within the next week or so we should have a even better understanding of of uh, you know what's what's happening in regard to the translation between uh, numbers of cases and what that means for hospitalizations but but at this stage you know it the, it's a you know it's a good sign that that the uh, hospitalization rate isn't isn't as high uh, and I think you know because of the uh, because of the vaccination rate that we have in place at the moment and also the you know, the 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 boosters and, and people you know starting to get boosters a lot of people yeah. who are at, at, at risk are, have already had their booster you know we're in a good place to uh, to, to manage the the, uh, the more more serious outcomes. Thomas Tenkate with us, professor at the School of Occupational and Public Health with Ryerson University. Thomas, as always, thanks uh, for helping us decode this. Much appreciated. All right, Kevin Donovan is with us, chief investigative reporter for the Toronto Star. And, of course, you know the infamous case of Barry and Honey Sherman, still unsolved. And Kevin Donovan has been all over this case since the beginning. And there was an interesting news conference today. Uh, Let's bring in Kevin to talk about all of this. Kevin, thanks for the time. I hope you're well. I am. Thanks for having me on. By the way, Kevin, totally unrelated, I want to give you uh, kudos for the column that you did on your unfortunate car theft. But, man, what a valuable piece of information uh, that column was. And uh, it was fascinating reading. Thanks so much. Oh, thank you. Yes, that's been quite a ride. I've done several stories since then and more to come on the whole car theft, which your city is certainly not immune to. No, and we'll probably be calling you back on that one in a while. All right, what did you learn from uh, the news conference today in regard to the case of Barry and Honey Sherman? It's been about a year. Uh, Any thoughts on what we learned? Uh, Obviously, there was that new image that was uh, displayed, and and really all we know is, is a very unique walk. Anything else you can tell us? 
Yeah, so, so four years ago, the, the Shermans are, are found dead in their home. Police uh, originally seemed to dismiss it as a, a murder-suicide, but then realized that it's a double murder. We've not seen any images at all uh, in the four years. And then today we get this uh, video, short clip, of a person, looks to me like a man, uh, walking uh, on a sidewalk. Uh, I figured out from looking at, at the area that the person is walking away at this time from, from the Sherman home. And uh, they are. there is an unusual gate, which the detectives were pointing out, uh, lifting the back, uh, the right foot at the back a little bit unusually, apparently. And uh, the person is wearing a hat, a winter coat, because, of course, it's December 13th. It's snowing out. And uh, not much else. Uh, but w- what's interesting to me is that the police have spent four years trying to figure out who this person is. They've gone to the FBI, the OPP. They've used a special type of uh, uh, analysis to determine the person's height and weight. They say the person is between five foot six and three quarters, and I think five foot nine and a half, roughly around there. Uh, they're not saying anything else about the person. To me, I would say the person's probably mid to, to late forties, uh, probably uh, a man, and maybe a little bit portly. And and they're not saying anything else. They don't know who the person is. They want the person to contact them or somebody who knows them to contact police. Uh, As you mentioned, it's been quite a while. Why now? Has this case gone cold or has it just taken them this long to whittle through all of the videos, account for everybody, and apparently this is the only one they can't confirm or identify? A a little bit of all of that. Uh, One reporter, not me, suggested this was a Hail Mary uh, sent uh, out at a time when the case has gone cold. Police said, no, that's not the case. They just can't identify the person, and they consider the person to be a suspect. They can't find any reason why this person would be uh, near the Sherman home uh, roughly between 9 and 12 uh, midnight, which is the time when the murders were committed. I think they should have released this in the first two weeks, first month at least. They're doing it now because they said they were concerned to release it earlier, might hurt their case. Now they realize it's more important to, to release the information. Is this less about the video, Kevin, and more about trying to jerk something loose? Like somebody will see this, maybe the maybe the suspect will even see this and react. Could it be something of that nature? Yeah, it could be. They they could have. I mean, in the movies, they would do something like this and have surveillance or a wiretap right. uh, uh, up uh, on on various people. I think that I think they're trying to to resolve. There's a lot of people out there in the Sherman's world who say, why aren't the police obviously doing more? So so they probably, uh, this is my speculation, uh, they probably thought maybe we should just do something now and to see what comes out. And, and they will get a lot of people. I mean, they're going to get so many people who are going to say, oh, I think this is uh, Jim or this is Martin. Uh, so they, they sh- I hope they are bracing themselves for this. Uh, doctors I've talked to said that this is an unusual gait uh, the way this person is walking, and it's similar to what they call drop foot, which is a condition, a neurological condition. I have no idea if that's true, but I've had doctors telling me that today. Uh, everybody's looking at this video. Do you think there's any um, uh, any truth to the fact that this is the last person in surveillance that they can identify with? I believe he said that, the detective today. Yeah, he did, he did say that. Um, I mean... I'm not entirely certain about that. 
Uh, I do know some neighbors that I, when I was canvassing the area, had been shown a, a video of a man and a woman uh, walking in the area. I, the police won't say if they've identified that couple, uh, but uh, let's take the police at face value and say this is the only one uh, that they have discovered. I will say that area of, of Toronto on a, on a December 13th evening when it's snowing, there's not a lot of people out walking in the neighborhood, so they probably didn't have too many to go through. Are you surprised, though, in a neighborhood so affluent there isn't more video of this, even during the timeline of it all happening? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Shermans had no video camera. There is video across the street from from the Shermans, uh, from a homeowner, and the police have that video. Uh, I don't think this, this individual is on that video because police say that the person enters an area very tight, tight is their word, very tight to the Sherman property and, mm-hmm. and disappears off, off all the cameras that they have. So that suggests to me that the person came in from the rear of the Shermans. I know when this happened, police were parked um, on the, there's a, a, a house and a property behind to the north of the Shermans. Police were parked there for weeks uh, trying to control that area, stop people from going in. Uh, so that's what I think. I've always thought the person or people who did this came in from, from the back and, and somehow got into the Sherman property from, from in behind. Continues to be a fascinating case. Kevin Donovan with us, chief investigative reporter with the Toronto Star. You can read more in the Toronto Star or on their website. And uh, again, stay tuned. It, it, it appears uh, this is going to be going on for a while. Kevin, as always, thanks for the time. Great work. Thanks for having me on. Catch up on the news and information you've missed. This is Hamilton Today with Scott Thompson on 900 CHML. Apparently, Will's taking heat because we're not playing enough Christmas music. I guess we're close. We're uh, for, it's, it's December 14th. So, you know, we're 10 days away. Maybe we should start. Uh, all right. Uh, good afternoon. It's Hamilton Today. Ted Michaels, uh, Diana Weeks, and Will Erskine joining us around the big round table to talk about the issues of the day. If you've got something you want us to gnaw on, send us a note. Scott Thompson at 900CHML.com. And the phone lines are always open, as I mentioned. All right. Uh, say hi to Will Erskine, Diana Weeks, Ted Michaels, and uh, I'm here. Here too. Uh, kids, how are you? I hope you're doing well this Tuesday. Is it Tuesday? Yes, it is. Yep. Tuesday. Uh, so, I had to ask uh, that pull, too. <laughs> I know. Poll question of the day. It's this dang Omicron. Uh, poll question of the day. And I know like we're all vaccinated and we're all torqued up and, and life's going on. Uh, but uh, the poll question of the day, bringing this back to rear its ugly head. Should Hamilton follow other hotspots and increase restrictions? And if we do... Where do we do that? Ted, you want to start with this gem? Good luck with that one, uh, making that happen. Uh, Because Diane and I actually talked about that earlier today. We expected something more from Dr. Kieran Moore, didn't get it. But can you imagine if they said, no, we got to go back to the way? No, people will say, "Uh uh-uh, we're double vaccinated. What's the change? So, no. uh, Do I think it's going to happen? No. And what will happen if it does happen? Everybody's going to go to that. I'm telling you. Interesting. Uh, at the very end of uh, Dr. Moore's news conference, he said uh, there will be further advice at the end of the week. It certainly sounds like there may be something of some extent, whether it's extracurricular sports at school, uh, whether it's around long-term care. Diana, what are your thoughts about what we're seeing? 
I I don't know if I I I don't want to use the words buy into the hype uh, on this just yet, but I mm-hmm. think that it, you know to do that kind of restriction just before Christmas would be a bit premature. I mean, I'm no yeah. scientist, obviously, but it seems like there's a little bit of mixed reviews when it comes to Omicron. I mean, there's some scientists in South Africa that are saying yes, it's more transmissible than let's say Delta and the regular strains, but uh, it doesn't appear to be as severe. Now that's just one group of scientists, so I'm not saying that's that's the way it is. But I think mm-hmm. until we know more. Um, really what's going on. I mean, this isn't, you know, 2019 or 2020. Like, we're most of us are double vaxxed now. So I don't think that we need the same level of restriction. And by the way, sorry, this just in, the sources say tomorrow the premier is making an announcement about COVID-19 booster doses. So we'll see what he has to say about that. Oh, maybe lowering it again. There you go. Uh, that being said, uh, we are hearing what's coming out of South Africa. The concern always is not about people getting sick, but it clogging up the healthcare system and delaying other surgeries and such. That's right. Does yeah. this new variant, I mean, and I'm with you, Diane, at the beginning of all of this, uh, you know, I kept saying, Dr. Fauci said it, you know, at this point, we still have to learn more, but at this point, it doesn't appear to be as severe. But they seem to be pulling back on that now and, and saying, yeah, but the transmissibility means that it, it, it may put more strain on the healthcare system. Will, do you feel comfortable? Are you concerned about the, the variant now? Uh, I'm, I've been concerned for a little while, but I am squeamish about these sort of things. Uh, I don't think, I don't think they're going to drop, like, here's our restrictions. We're going back. We're turning the car around, everyone. I think what they might do, and I would be okay with this, is they might have some more detailed, nuanced things. Like we've heard talk of they might be asking people to wear masks in more areas, things like that. Because we are two, three years in some respects into this. Globally, we're three years into this. We have a better idea of a more targeted, sharp way to handle this without having to do things as extreme as we did before, which made total sense in the moment. And so now I would be okay, and I kind of expect them to do something, yeah, just a little more delicate, a more delicate approach to dealing with Omicron, because it does spread fast. We know that. Other things up in the air, we'll find out more. All right, so if you heard the traffic report this afternoon, you heard of a pack of wild turkeys terrorizing the 403, running at people, scaring them. Uh, I'm sorry? Okay, not quite that severe, uh, but turkeys on the road, and uh, we know what this looks like this time of year. I don't know if you've ever seen a wild turkey. Uh, I, I've seen them up at the cottage, and, and some people actually hunt them, uh, which I find fascinating because, to me, you could go up and just grab them. You really don't need any sort of firearm. They're not the smartest uh, smartest birds uh, on the planet. But I want to ask, and especially COVID-19, I, you know, in the past, I've eaten deer meat. I've eaten moose meat uh ostrich but that was in a wet uh, that was at a restaurant so Ross, restaurants don't count but you ever eat something that someone has caught or shot that you didn't buy in a store and does that change now considering where we are will and i did a report last week that there was covid19 detected in a deer uh the answer to your questions no and no I will not deviate from my diet, so you know if somebody catches something good for them but uh, no i'm not going to do it you don't want to sample it taste what it's like nope it all tastes like chicken, Ted, apparently. Apparently it does, but no, I'm not, you know, no. no. All right, Diana. Oh, boy. I think there's going to be some listeners that might get mad at me for this one. Um, I've eaten, You're in. Oh, boy. I've eaten fish. Not this one. The next one that's coming up. I've eaten fish, obviously, that's been caught from the lake. You know, I have a lot of mm-hmm. fishermen friends. We go to the cottage. They have a catch. We eat it for dinner, breakfast, that kind of thing. Uh, I did go to Peru, and their local mm. delicacy there is something called kui and so i ate a guinea pig 
that was roasted. Wow. But it was wild caught. I don't know if they shot it, but they have guinea pig farms there. How do you shoot a guinea pig? You blow the thing to pieces. I don't know, but... You know, I was psychologically traumatized. Diana, you love little rodents. I love rodents. I cannot believe to this day that I did that. I was in the moment, you know, when you're traveling and you're not yourself and you're like, I'm going to do this. I'm, you know, I'm here. And this is what drives people to eat bugs. And this is what drives people to, you know, do certain things. How was it served? Because I'm just picturing a little deep fried guinea pig on a stick. Uh, I'll send you a picture after. It comes in a roasting tin with potatoes around it. And it's just roasting. Roasted like uh, on a spit on a barbecue. Um, and I can't even believe I'm saying this because I think I detached myself from it because I do love rodents. And I cannot, like, I mean, I didn't eat the whole thing. Everyone just kind of had a little, I, little nibble, you know? I want that on a shirt. I love rodents. <laughs> where, where do I do. I love them. Everyone so, knows that I do. Yeah. Uh, so uh, y- you were bothered by this because of the thought that it's it, it it's a small furry little creature. Yeah, like you know uh, how it is. Something yeah. you'd see in a kid's room on a wheel. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, here I feel in North America we do that, and then you go down there and they're kind of running wild, like and and they just kind of catch mm. them and cook them. <laughs> how was it? How did it taste? There- it tasted like chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you had to know that. Yeah. All right, uh, Will, Will, your thoughts. Uh, turkeys on the road. Have you ever eaten anything you didn't buy in a store or restaurant? Uh, yeah, I've, I I actually used to fish uh, when I was very, very young, so I, I ate some of the fish I caught. Other than that, I'm trying to remember. Bugs definitely count because, again, I was a stupid kid. Uh, but, no, so far, never, uh, never eaten guinea pig and never eaten turkey, at least as far as I know. I've- I think You've Diana never wins the day with that one. No, I've eaten turkey, but I oh, haven't but eaten not wild. wild. Not okay. feathered and gobbling, gotcha. and I just tackle it or anything. No. I remember very vividly, uh, and this was a long time ago, uh, the old cottage we had had uh, piers, so that means it's off the ground on cement blocks. And went, it's sort of down in a hollow. And in one afternoon or morning or whatever, like, uh, seriously, like 20 or 30 of them just waddled down my driveway and went right underneath the cottage and then stayed there all day. We couldn't get them out. All you could do is hear them and they're crapping under there. And it's um, the more you try to, to scare them and get them out, the more they just huddle together and refuse to do so. So there you go. Their cottage oh, now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> They've taken over. Well, I'll leave it at that. All right, it is 445. Thank you, Diana Weeks, Ted Michaels, and William Erskine around the big round table, as always. All right, you remember uh, there's some chatter the other day about the Bank of Canada, and the wording of the Bank of Canada's new mandate has changed uh, a little bit more political influence, but the substance of it remains essentially the same. That's what several economists says, uh, say. rather, uh, Canadians can expect the country's central bank to continue to aim for low, stable, and predictable inflation. And when it comes to the impact of low interest rates on, for example, the housing market, it will be up to the government, not monetary policy, to get a handle on runaway home prices. To talk more about all of this and what it means to you and me, Ian Lee is with us, Associate Professor, Sprott School of Business, Carleton University. Ian, thanks for the time. Time. I hope you're well. Uh, my pleasure, Scott. Thank you. I saw you speak of this on other media. What is the concern here? Why is this raising a red flag? Um, we have, uh, and Christy Freeland said this, I watched the entire press conference from beginning to end, including all the questions from the journalists, and I read the Bank of Canada document, very extensive actually, a very extensive document, uh, and the Finance uh, Canada document, which was much more brief. And she started out by saying at the press conference yesterday, and I agreed with her completely, 
She said, we have had an extraordinary record. She used a lot of adjectives and adverbs. We've been spectacular. We've been one, you know, phenomenal and successful at, at controlling inflation for the last, since we started inflation targeting, which was in the early Mulroney years. So there's been five mandates for five years each. It's 25 years. And so I agreed with her. And uh, she's correct. We have been. We've had very low inflation, low and stable inflation around 2%. And she spent a good you know, minute or two extolling that. And then she said, okay, and now we've got to change it. Now, she didn't use the word change, but she was very clearly uh, going from a pure single inflation focus, which has been so successful, she said, and then saying now she was pivoting and saying now we've got to focus on employment. And I just found that a huge contradiction. If it was so successful, if it ain't broke, why fix it? And then she answered that question, sort of. She said, well, we're in this new world, you know, of demography and technology and globalization and and so forth. So that was her uh, implicit answer. However, demography is just the code word for aging. And she was suggesting by pivoting to employment and having the Bank of Canada focus on employment, that we've got a large or significant unemployment problem. No, we do not. We have a million vacancies in Canada. The aging, which is going to continue for the next 30, 40, 50 years, is going to produce increasing shortages. Her own ministry has forecast this for year after year after year. And yet here she is saying we've got to have the Bank of Canada focus on employment when we don't have an unemployment problem. We have a job vacancy problem. We have a job shortages problem. And so, and then finally, to even make it even worse or more confusing, it gave me a headache, quite frankly, she said the bank is going to be responsible for her phrase is, and this is an actual quote, maximum sustainable employment. And then she said in the next sentence, however, we don't are not able to measure it, and it's largely beyond the control of monetary policy. So why now would you, you do this, Ian? What's the advantage of heading now, in this direction? Now I'm glad you asked that question. So I'm showing the incoherence there, okay? She's mm-hmm. A contradicts B. So we don't have an unemployment problem. In fact, she even said today in the speech, I've just been watching it when you called, they've claimed, uh, earned back, the economy has generated back 106% of all the jobs lost in the pandemic. In other words, Mm -hmm. more people are working today than when the pandemic started. So you can't say we have an unemployment problem. So what is she doing? What is she up to? Because I want to emphasize, I don't want anyone to think that I'm saying that Christy Freeland is not intelligent. She's a very intelligent, educated, experienced person, as is Governor Macklem. They are not dummies. They're really smart people. So what are they up to? I believe, and I watched the whole thing and I read it, that they are rebranding what is considered, quote, acceptable inflation. And then you go into the document, and lo and behold, it was around 2% before. Now they're saying 1% to 3%. So less focus on inflation and more, and more focus on job numbers. She is using, she is saying, we want to give them more flexibility. That's a code, way, code word for saying we want them to tolerate higher levels of inflation. And the hook, the justification she's giving, she then pivoted and said, well, there's inequality, and there's, we've got, uh, you know, indigenous reconciliation, and we've got technological pressures and, and gender inequality. And I was, 
this was her justification. And, of course, if you think about that for a moment, it sounds very fair and reasonable. Who can be against trying to close the gap in any kind of inequality? But if you think about it, the Bank of Canada doesn't have any fiscal levers. The government of Canada employs over 500,000 people, and they spend two-thirds of a trillion dollars. And a lot of that, not all of it, but a lot of it is on what we would call income support and, and, and job creation and you know, Canada mortgage and housing and industry Canada that gives subsidies to Bombardier to create jobs and so on and so forth. In other words, inside the Bank of Canada, they don't have a Department of Indigenous Reconciliation. They don't have an Unemployment Insurance mm. Commission inside the Bank of Canada. They've got one lever, and it's interest rates. Yeah. So they're being given a job for which they don't have the tools or the competencies or the, the you know, and she even said, we are going, we meaning the Bank of Canada and Finance Canada are going to share responsibility. So does that mean more spending? Does that justify more spending? Well, I, I think it does. And I'm watching, I just finished watching her speak and there's a lot more spending today. But I think the, the, the from yesterday, the takeaway is that they are rebranding normality of what's acceptable. And so they're saying, in essence, we're going to accept a higher level of inflation in this yeah. country. I didn't say 5 or 10, but they're rebranding to a higher level than before. So they've given the Bank of Canada their marching orders. Don't you go raising interest rates just because the inflation's at 2.7 or 3.1 or so forth. So that's what I think is happening. They're rebranding it and saying that we're going to accept higher levels of inflation uh, because we are, and we don't, are going to do that without raising interest rates. It seems we've all forgotten about uh, what higher interest rates are all about. Ian Lee with his associate professor, Sprott School of Business, Carleton University. Ian, as always, thanks for decoding all of this. Much appreciated. Be well. My pleasure. Thanks, Scott. You're listening to the Hamilton Today podcast from 900 CHML. It's 900 CHML. I'm Scott Thompson. Willerskin on the boards. Head and Diana in the newsroom watching the wheel spin. Feel, uh, world spin. Feel free to jump into the conversation. Uh, we would love to hear from you. Send us a note, Scott Thompson at 900CHML.com. Okay, so if you were here at 440 this afternoon, you no doubt heard us all around the big round table uh, talking about the issues of the day. And we kind of end, you know, I'd like to end it up with something a little, uh, uh, a little lighter and there was a, a traffic report about turkeys on the link and if you ever seen wild turkeys at this time of the year they're kind of dozy like you really don't need to if you want to hunt them you just have to go up and grab them they're, they're really that easy uh so anyway it, it spawned the question on the ra- on the big round table did you ever eat anything that you didn't buy in a store or buy in a restaurant do you eat wild game at all and a lot of people thinking differently of that obviously post covid 19 uh that being said i think our uh systems are a little bit more secure uh than that in other parts of the world but uh diana weeks was talking about how when we asked you know what, what's the interesting most interesting thing uh that you have eaten diana won and Diana won because on a trip to Peru, I believe it was, yeah. she ate El Kai, which is roast guinea pig. Yes. So Diana was enough, was nice enough to send us the actual images. <laughs> which kind of takes it to a whole different level uh so uh, what did they do because the head and everything's still on them did they kind of like scare them and just uh you know put them on a spit kind of thing i didn't watch the cooking process this was at someone's house and we went over for a barbecue i mean as a canadian i'm like sweet burgers and dogs went there and i was like oh this is a different kind of barbecue um but you know they went into the kitchen and uh, did their thing and it came out and 
and yeah, that's that's what it looked like. It had everything still on it. <laughs> yes, yes, it looks like everything is still on it. So, how did you end up at someone's house in Peru for a barbecue? Well, we went on. Uh, my husband and I went on. Uh, like a, a tour and it was with Contiki tour. So it was like yeah. a group thing. Um, mm-hmm. And the guide is actually, um, you know, like he was from this very small town outside of Cusco, kind of like in the Andes, like it's very farmlandy kind of country. Wow. And so, um, you know, as a treat, he brings his tour group, which is about 15 of us home to meet his family and to have like a traditional, um, wow. Like Peruvian barbecue. Yeah. So which is why I didn't want to say no to the food. I was like, well, you know, when in Rome, but this time like when in Cusco. So I ate that and that was it. <laughs> so uh, how, how, where are the guinea pigs? Are they wild? Are they running around? Are they farm for this? How do you pick your guinea pig? Both. So we saw them running around loose, just like you kind of see squirrels here, which is weird. Um, and then you also, uh, they have like little farms. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know where they got this particular particular guinea pig I think they might have had a little farm on the property because it's mm. it was kind of like a farmhouse you know they had chickens as well and that kind of thing so they might have had the guinea pigs there uh, but again I didn't really see the process now did everyone in the group enjoy the guinea pig uh, like you did uh, no, there were some people who politely declined um, mm. and didn't have the guinea pig. We had a couple vegans on the trip, and that was that was tough because uh, South America not very vegan friendly. So <laughs> yeah, really, how do you come up with a vegan version of a guinea pig? That's yeah, uh, nope. that's they love their the, meat. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, and and did everything agree with you? Were you fine the next day? Everything was good. Oh yeah, that was fine. That was fine. Yeah, <laughs> oh, not a problem at all. We had alpaca on that trip as well, and all kinds of stuff. You so. ate alpaca? Yeah, yeah. They have steaks, alpaca steaks there wow that's amazing good Mm -hmm. for you i had a a friends that toured vietnam once and Mm -hmm. talked very much about uh wet food markets like you see in in china and such and i remember seeing pictures and they had like mice that were skinned and all corns all all kinds of very interesting things that you could uh you could try however i don't think there were any guinea pigs wrong part of the country perhaps so would you do it again I don't know. I don't know if I'd do that a guinea pig again, but I'm definitely You've done it. Yeah. I definitely if I went somewhere and I was invited over for their local, you know, sure. delicacy, I probably would give it a try. That's just how I am. So would I like it? I don't know. Um I like to eat everything. I mean, really I don't there's nothing I really don't like. So yeah. Good for you. Wild yeah. turkeys on the uh, link started this whole discussion. <laughs> Had anybody eaten anything they didn't buy in a store, in a restaurant? And look at Diana Week stepping up there and uh, beating us all, hands down. <laughs> uh, I don't think we got much participation from Ted on that round table. <laughs> I just came no in because no, I, no. I have nothing to say. Diana's a trooper. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> Come on, just have a taste, Ted. Come on, no, try it out. No, just, this just is, have a bite this of his little nibble. arm. No, as, <laughs> as an athlete, I have to watch what goes into my body, so I'm very careful. There you go. Well, you might find yourself running. Why on is a little, Will laughing at this? You might find yourself running on a treadmill <laughs> a little I, faster because, after wearing that. Because I'm like that Oscar sort story we had. I just eat everything. <laughs> there you go. You you go, girl. You go. <laughs> All right. uh, Earlier today, Dr. Kieran Moore giving a news conference and an update on where we are with COVID-19 and and basically said that uh, they are very concerned about the spread of this. It appears at this time it's not as severe, but the issue is if it makes enough people sick and they end up in an ICU or in a hospital uh, ward, then that detracts from other surgery, other elective surgery. So uh, what the concern is, is the fact that it just spreads so quickly and 
if it does spread faster, and, and they're saying um, six to eight times, uh, four to eight times the speed of the Delta variant, and then it, it, you know, we end up with a lot of cases that aren't that serious. We're still going to see enough that could possibly uh, affect the healthcare system. Uh, right now, we're seeing healthcare. Uh, up about 13 uh, percent, uh, and that is uh, just the occupancy uh, going up 30 percent with the variant. Uh, however, the ICUs are still stable at this point, which is a great sign because what we don't want to do is have to reschedule surgeries and cancer stuff and in heart issues and what have you uh, that are already waiting from the first, second, and third wave of all of this. So, also, Dr. Kieran Moore saying that there would be more uh, information, more advice on. On this coming up at the end of the week so uh, not sure what we're going to hear but uh, again uh, the concern is uh, not so much the severity at this point although many will debate that it's just the speed in which it jumps from host to host let's bring in dr. Catherine smart president of the Canadian Medical Association and with us now doctor thanks for the time I hope you're doing well hi thanks for having me before we get to Dr. Tam's report and, and what the future holds for the healthcare system in a post-pandemic world, your thoughts on this new variant? It seems to have more people concerned, even though uh, early indicators are it may not be as serious, but it spreads incredibly quickly. What are your thoughts on all of this, Catherine? I think that's really the concern is the high degree of transmissibility and just how rapidly we're seeing Omicron take over, especially in Ontario. You know, it really starts to become a numbers game. We know that the vast majority of Canadians are vaccinated, but we have hundreds of thousands of Canadians who are not vaccinated. And at the rate that Omicron is spreading, it will find those people. It will find them quickly. Um, And even if it's you know, as severe as Delta or even slightly less severe, it's still going to lead to potentially large numbers of hospitalizations and potential of overwhelming the system. So I think it's very concerning um, and we really need to take this seriously as we move into the holiday season. Why do you think we're seeing early reports that it isn't quite as dangerous? I think, to be honest, we don't really know, right? The data we have is coming out of South Africa They have a much younger population there. They also have the vast majority of their population has been infected with COVID already. Um, So it's a different population than what we're looking at here. Um, So I think that's a a definite factor. And again, even if it's less severe, that doesn't mean that it can't significantly overwhelm our system if it spreads rapidly through people. uh, And some of those people require hospitalization. So I think it's, it's really how fast that happens and how many people end up needing care in the hospital that are really going to determine what happens here over the next few weeks. But I don't think we should be underestimating it at all at this point. Uh, Dr. Teresa Tam, Canada's uh, public health official, the head doctor here in the country, her annual report out talking about the result of COVID and how it has stretched healthcare uh, incredibly thin, dangerously thin. And, and and we certainly knew during the pandemic in the first few waves that uh, this was obviously exposing weak links in the chain. What can we learn from all of this moving forward? I think what we need to learn is that we have to take the issues on our healthcare system seriously. You know, Dr. Tam's report really speaks to the fact that it shouldn't have taken a pandemic to lay bare the cracks in the foundation of our system. And the things that they're seeing and they've been dealing with with public health, they've known about for years and they've been asking for more support, but they've been through this 
boom-bust uh, funding cycle. And that's what we've seen throughout the rest of the healthcare system as well. So I think really what the pandemic has taught us is we can't ignore the healthcare system, the direction it's going, the years of austerity, uh, the underfunding, the under-resourcing of the system. Um, and now we find ourselves really here and in, you know, two, almost two years now into this emergency, uh, but the backdrop hasn't improved. So not only is the hospital very overwhelmed by COVID, we're now seeing huge backlogs in care for other types of problems that we're not able to address within our system. So I think it's a really a call to action to the government to take these things seriously and to work with experts and healthcare professionals about how to fund and develop a healthcare system that will be sustainable and will be able to meet the needs of Canadians, because right now that's not what we are seeing. As you said, we were warned of this before, years ahead of time. Uh, that being said, are you confident we'll, we, we will see change or has so much happened we have no choice? Well, I certainly hope that we will. I mean, I think we're sort of at a point now that if we don't take significant action, we aren't going to see our healthcare system recover from this for decades. And I think we know that this is a priority for Canadians. I don't think there's anybody in the country who's not aware of how strained the healthcare system is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, our, the government's role is to respond to voters and what people need. And Canadians need their healthcare system to be functional. So I, I really, you know, I have to have hope that the politicians will hear us on this and want to work with us because this is a service that we all need. Dr. Catherine Smart with us, president of the Canadian Medical Association, reacting to Dr. Teresa Tam's report on what needs to be done before we get to the next global pandemic. Doctor, thanks so much for the time and insight. Much appreciated. Be well. You as well. Take care. The truth and only the truth. This is Hamilton Today with Scott Thompson on 900 CHML. Uh, Latest liberal fiscal update and doing this virtually uh, as one of the members of her team or two of the members of her team have tested positive uh, or there's thoughts or concerns around COVID-19. So out of uh, uh, extra uh, precaution, uh, Christia Freeland is delivering this uh, virtually. Let's bring in Henry Jasek to talk about all of this and what happened yesterday with the Bank of Canada raid. He's a political science professor, McMaster University and with us now henry thanks for the time hope you're well i'm doing well yes scott so why are we hearing a liberal fiscal update now this is sort of like a mini budget it's not a big deal why are we doing this now i think part of it is the uh the new variant of the virus i think that uh, the the plan that they had earlier in the year or certainly earlier in the fall well they they knew the you know the the delta and that, what they had that that particular variant now all of a sudden they've got this new uh, variant that spreads a lot faster, and that just can affects uh, you know affects your your costs of things, hospitalization, healthcare costs, uh, hits the economy in various ways. So I think that's pe- uh, you know um, something that's behind this this particular uh, this uh, news that we're dealing with today, and there's a, there is a lot of it news uh- that is. We've been waiting and hearing uh, during the week uh, in regard to the Bank of Canada and how they're uh, adjusting or may or may not adjust to uh, rising interest rates due to, uh, obviously, inflation uh, going up. And we know that when inflation goes up, uh, usually the reaction is to ra- uh, raise interest rates to mm-hmm. slow uh, slow spending and bring it to sort of cool it off. Uh, now, uh, Christia Freeland is saying she wants the Bank of Canada not to focus on inflation, but more on... On, uh, job numbers. What does that mean? And is this is this a reason, a way to print more money? Well, I think uh, I, I would take her statement uh, that uh, 
that the job numbers are more more important than the uh, inflation to her. I, I do think she she traditionally is that's been a basic personal view of hers. But I think uh, I think uh, she's overstating the the the, the fact that uh, that she has to worry about job numbers because we know there's a lot of job openings. And, well, that's uh, that. That was my next point. Like earlier yeah, yeah. in all of this, uh, Christy Freeland was boasting that uh, now we have more people working than we did prior to the pandemic. So not only have we made up uh, what we lost during the pandemic, but now there's there's an increase above that. So is this is is jobs the really the important issue now? It appears that the problem is trying to get people to fill those jobs. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. And I think what's going to happen is that there are going to be, you know, governments, uh, gonna, the federal government is going to slow down, and provincial governments as well in terms of money they're they're putting out the door. And, you know, there will be a boost, uh, you know, an incentive for people to t- start taking these jobs. Uh, so I, I think that that's really what the government's going to want to do. And they they expect you know basically that's going to help uh, your, uh, your 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 supply uh, problems not having thing you know goods and services being produced the way they're supposed to be. So I think that's really what their 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 goal is. I think the big problem they're worried about right now is how is this new variant going to affect those plans because that's uh, that's just uh, suddenly we've had all these new cases and they're you know they're very you know they're very uh, contagious more than the other variants and so this is a sort of a, a you know a monkey wrench has been thrown into things and they've got a I think they that's what they really want to do and I think quite frankly we're going to hear more of that and even one thing that's coming at six o'clock tonight which was announced mm-hmm. is that the prime minister is going to have a meeting with uh, with all the premiers and he is it's it's about the mobility of Canadians and we've heard during the day that uh, very uh, various uh, people uh, who are concerned about health uh, both at the federal and provincial level in Ontario said they're worried that we're doing a lot of traveling and that traveling is really going to ramp up uh, you know new cases mm. and I think I think I think uh, you know I think I think Canadians may be surprised because maybe what might come out of this meeting uh, tonight at six o'clock is that in fact it's going to be much more difficult for for people to travel. Uh, you know we've already had a, the federal health minister saying, well if you go abroad you leave Canada and you get sick, well it may not be easy for you to come home. Yeah. And that happened in the beginning with the with the virus, and now he said it today. And then, and then, boom, we have this meeting that's going to be dealing with mobility at 6 o'clock tonight. So, I mean, I, I think a lot of people are probably going to find that uh, maybe they won't be on a beach uh, in March, mm. uh, but they'll, they'll have to settle for skiing down a hill in uh, Collingwood. That's not bad either. No. Uh, we've we've been talking about interest rates and extremely low interest rates for right. over twenty years now. It appears, you know. Right. Uh, I remember, uh, you know, listening to my parents buying a house, talking about buying their house in the nineteen sixties, and and the interest rate they had then. And now it's it's even the rates we have are even even beating those rates. That's have right. we? And you know, the question always was, well, when are they going to go up? When are they going to go up? Is this the new normal? And here we are, twenty some odd years later. And we're still sort of with with the same low interest rates. Do we have a population that has forgot what it was like when these things go through the roof? Well, I think they have, but not, but I think it's very important to pay to in, uh, pay attention to interest rates hmm. and to what, uh, mortgages for new, for new housing. And the thing that really strikes me that I've never seen in my lifetime 
we have a 4.8% inflation rate, yet you can go out to different uh, lenders right now and get a four-year, five-year mortgage that's less than that. Now, that is really very, very surprising. I've never seen anything like that. What it tells me, uh, and then again, we put it together with the agreement with the Bank of Canada yesterday. The government and the Bank of Canada said, we're shooting, uh, you know, the target for inflation is 2%, and uh, uh, I think... They, they're all shooting for the, you know, for the belief that they're going to be able to get this inflation rate down to that 2%. And I, they won't say it, but I think they're really thinking a year from now they're going to be not too far away from 2%. And otherwise, otherwise I mean, the banks are, are you know, and the lenders are, giving, are going to be giving you money that's uh, really a, a lot of more than free money. Because when you, when you lend money at a lower rate than inflation, mm. immediately the, the bank, the, the, the institution's losing money. The, as soon as it gives you that money, so it's it's a rather striking situation here. So I think, uh, yeah, I think I, I think it's I think they are all expecting, and I think also, uh, you know, um, various organizations are just basically assuming that the the inflation rate is gonna is gonna drop quite a bit, and it's gonna go down to that two percent, almost I think maybe a year from now, but we'll we'll see. Does this help put people into homes? We always hear so much about a housing shortage and, you know, the prices are, are through the roof. Does this help that in any way? Well, I mean, for people seeing, you know, what I think the, there are a lot of homes and people don't realize this is there's a lot of homes where you have one or two people who are in their 80s and 90s living in their homes. And it is just for those people at this point, it is, and I know some cases like this, they they're saying oh it's time for me to cash in you know the yeah. houses have gone up so high i'm in you know i'm in my 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 golden years the end, end of my golden years i can have a big pile of cash and live very well for the for what life is left for me or if i want to give it to my grand grandkids but anyways they, i think you're going to start seeing a lot of those people looking at that uh, are going to are are going to um, you know want to sell and of course the houses and and the houses prices will be shooting up because the banks are giving you people yeah, the new yeah. people who want it the people the thirty year olds uh, you know really low interest rates but I think this is all very temporary uh, so we're going to go through I think over the next year I would bet you know a lot of a lot of these older people putting the houses on the market selling them at high prices to the to the 30-year-olds who are going to get this low mortgage money. But I think that's going to be all over by about a year from now. Or at least mm. that's what the Bank of Canada, the government of Canada, the, the banks, the credit unions, all those lending institutions, that, that's what they're banking on. And we'll see. I mean, it's, you know, it's a... It, it, it seems to be a pattern to me, anyways. Henry Jasek with us, professor of political science, McMaster University, talking about the Liberals' fiscal update, uh, which we're just seeing this afternoon. Henry, as always, thanks so much for the time. Be well. Okay, thank you, Scott. It, let's bring in Scott Radley, host of the Scott Radley Show and columnist for your Hamilton Spectator. He is coming up right after the 6 o'clock news. Scott, good to have you here. I hope you're doing well. I'm doing well. That was a sexy intro. That's a sexy Christmas carol, Will. Was At Chicago. Right that's Chicago. Well, that was, see, was that Chicago see now, now your opinion changes, doesn't it? Yeah, that was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, we've been on the air today, and we haven't, uh, the first time in a long time, we've covered a complete news ca- uh, conference uh, with Dr. Kieran Moore, Ontario's top doc. Uh, you know, it, it, it obviously looks like there's more concern here with this new variant. Uh, poll question of the day, should Hamilton follow other hotspots and increase restrictions? What do we do at this point, uh, do you think, Scott? 
you know what the first thing is? And I'm not being funny here. I'm not being silly. None of that stuff. Um, I would love to get a true, straight answer on the one thing about this variant that I still can't get an answer to, and that is we're hearing some reports that this is very mild, that this is essentially like a cold. And we're hearing other people saying, no, you can't, like, don't, don't assume that. That's a wrong thing. Look, if this is, I don't care if this, if every person in Ontario gets this, if it's just a cold, I don't care. Yeah. But if this is not that, then, like, somehow we've got to know. And the, the trouble with this now is you almost wonder if the medical professionals, not a conspiracy, but they're scared to say, no, it's not bad, because then if there yeah. are some bad cases, then mm-hmm. they're on the hook. Yeah. But like this one, I, like I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not playing the conspiracy game or the anti-vax or anything like that. It's just, what are we dealing with? I think, I think we deserve and need to know that before we either say, look, like, we're talking on my show today about the fact that there are now uh, outbreaks in the NBA and the NFL and the NHL, yeah. and yeah. you know who knows what this means. Are we going to be back at a time when there's no fans in the building and the OHL and stuff? I think we need to know. Are we dealing with a cold here, or are we dealing with something that's terrible? And, and what I've heard... Maybe you've heard it, but I've haven't, I haven't got a good answer on that. I'm asking those questions every single day, and here's what I'm hearing. Um, that uh, it does... It does appear to be less severe in Africa, but somebody said the median age in Africa is 29 years old. So it obviously does not uh, have the the uh, the mortality rate that an older population does. So the majority of the people that are uh, infected are very, very young, unlike the North American population, which is quite a bit older. That was one thing they said. Then the other thing was um, we're still a week or so away from actually figuring out uh, the DNA of this and, and what exactly it means and how the uh, vaccines will react against that. That's still probably about a week or two away. Uh, but then after that, we should have a better handle on, on what is going on. Yeah, you know, and, and I mean, the second thing, and it's a really unpleasant thing to discuss, but, you know, you talk about the older population. How much of our older population that health-wise was, was um, troubled you know, had had outstanding issues of how many of them have we lost already so that mm. we don't now have some of those issues. And I mean, I'm not, I, again, I don't mean to sound cold, but there's a lot of people that have passed away who had underlying conditions yeah. that may be gone now. We're not happy about that. They may be gone now that may make this, may mean the people who are still here are less likely, the elderly people less likely because they didn't have those conditions. I don't know. But somehow, you know, we seem to be moving into this state of, um, you know, almost panic, it seems, with, with this thing is taking off. Mm-hmm. But what is taking off? That's, that's just the question that we don't, and maybe you're right, maybe we, I mean, we really don't know this yet. And maybe, you know, caution is the proper way here. But boy, I just, uh, if this thing turns out to be nothing more than the common cold, and we shut down Christmas and shut down at this and shut down that, you know, it's, it, it's not helping anyone on the emotional and mental and psychological side either, which is, you know, I, I, it keeps getting lost in this, but I think it's a real thing. I think it's yeah. a real thing, the impact that the emotional is having on everyone from this last year and two-thirds now. Yeah, and absolutely the timing is horrific because everybody's talking about making holiday plans, and now it looks like, uh, who knows, we may have to readjust all of those. Uh, Dr. Kieran Moore said that there might be more uh, advice coming down by the end of the week. So, so who knows? Who knows where this is going to go? All right, who's on your show tonight, Scott? 
Well, we are actually talking about that. We're talking with a uh, sports business expert about what happens if we get back to this for the for the pro leagues and for the amateur leagues. What happens to the Olympics if this is now yeah. deemed a thing? Uh, we're also talking about. Uh, did you watch Squid Game? No, no thanks. You haven't watched no. Squid Game. All right. No, but no, this, no, no. This is indicative. They are saying that maybe because of the pandemic, maybe because of our hunger for entertainment, unlike any time before, we have been willing to watch entertainment that has not come from Hollywood, from North America. And is this a trend that we're willing to watch Korean and Scandinavian and whatever other entertainment things with subtitles? Or is this something that's just, yeah, as soon as we get done this and we get back to normal, that's back in its place. Um, You know, we're going to talk to someone, uh, Robert Thompson, about that one, about whether this is something new, that the world is now in our living room as opposed to just Hollywood. All right, uh, Scott Radley, and make sure you're listening tonight after the 6 o'clock news for the Scott Radley Show. Scott, as always, thanks so much for the time, and be well. Thanks, Scott. You too. 557, that's a wrap for the show. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Ted and Diana and Will for helping out. Coming up, uh, as I mentioned, the 6 o'clock news and the Scott Radley Show. As always, we leave it to you, the good listener at CHML, to have the last word. I cannot believe Diana would eat a guinea pig. We should be sticking to the staples, snake and kangaroo. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.